Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Wanaki, and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. G'day, dickheads. Oh, hello. G'day, g'day friends. Oh, okay. And confidants. Colleagues? Don't ever no. confidant in me. <laughs> okay, I will try not to. Hey, I am so a notorious be... snitch. Well, I know that, and that's why <laughs> I, I tell you fake secrets, and oh. then I find out when you tweet them. In a, in a, it's all a big ruse. Wow. You find Everyone out- that follows you knows about the ruse. And every time you tweet them, you're busted. Oh, you rused me. You also, yeah, um, Jess, you accidentally always tag Matt in those tweets too, which kind of <laughs> gives you away. Kind of. I say someone, not saying who, at Matt Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys? Are you well? Yeah, pretty good. Loving the sunshine. Saints are in the finals and for the first time since 2011. This is the first time the Saints have played finals since we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> That's crazy. 
That's a weird thought. Yeah, cool. So they've yeah. played as many finals as I have since we've started this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Dave really sidelined his footy career for us and, you know, we'll, we'll always be indebted to him for that. Yeah, you Thanks are so much, welcome. Dave. I put... I was going to win the Norm Smith, whatever that is. So Yeah. What position did you play, Dave? Uh, full Norm. Full Norm. <laughs> wow, that's Never why you're going to win the Norm, norm. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> put me up there. I'm, I'm one of the normiest players I've ever seen. Watch yeah, me. Watch me Norm. norm. <laughs> I'm full Norm court, yeah. <laughs> you are, no, the Norm Smith medal is the best player on the grand in the grand final. So that, is, that, was, that was a good one to win. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good but one. But you gave that up for us and we really appreciate it. To do this podcast that works like this, one of the three of us goes away and researches a topic for the week and we write a report about it after really getting involved in all the nooks and crannies and the intricacies of this topic that has been usually suggested by listeners or a listener and then we come back and tell everything we've learnt back to the other two in the form of a report while the other two patiently, quietly... And respectfully listen along. I'm not going to say anything until the end of the report. So there'll be an hour of silence from me. <laughs> Even if the report okay. goes for 45 minutes, I will stay silent for that full hour. <laughs> okay. Hey, D- Dave, I don't know why you're saying that. That's what you do every week. So <laughs> it's not really noteworthy. I'm explaining but, how uh, it works to the newcomer. Or the new listeners. Fair enough. And this week, Jess is doing the report. So Dave will be sitting quietly <laughs> next to me. Oh, no. While <laughs> Jess tells us about something. And to get us onto that topic... She's going to ask a question now. What's the question this week, Jess Perkins? The question is, who makes you feel like a natural woman? Oh, Ellen, uh, Helen Reddy. No. Helen, no. Oh. That was uh, I Am Woman. Oh, no, a different woman song. As yes. the feminist of the podcast, <laughs> um, I really should have got that one. Can Dave? I, uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, this is from uh, Carol King. Oh, yes, co-written by Carol King, most famously performed by... I thought it was Carol King from Tapestry. Am I wrong? This deserves a little bit more respect. Aretha oh, Franklin. Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Franklin. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well done. Um, yes, Carol King wrote it. Oh, maybe not Maybe not most famously performed by Aretha Franklin, but very famously You're right. performed she, by Aretha. She's very, very famous. Yeah, she so, is very you, so you both have You're heard right of there. Aretha Franklin. Yes. yes. Okay. I have a little R E S P A C T for her work. <laughs> and I would assume that um, the majority of our listeners have also heard of Aretha Franklin. However, she has not been suggested once in the hat. <laughs> we have over 6,000 suggestions. She comes up twice when I uh, search for her in the hat. And that is only in reference to other performers. So people say, oh, she worked, they worked with Aretha Franklin as well at times. And it's like, uh-huh. And you didn't think to suggest Aretha Franklin? Oh, my goodness. You, people at home really got to take a good long look at themselves on this one. <laughs> well, luckily. I put her up for the vote um, and she was just pipped by Chuck Berry a couple of months ago. Oh, cool. So I, I assume she was in the hat. So I obviously also had the same thought. But... Um, yeah, that's cool. And she's sort of related to a previous topic we did or you did with John Belushi because they starred in Blues Brothers together. Yeah, that's right. That's um, cool. Which I will, of course, talk about. Um, 
So yeah, I've, this is something that I've kind of wanted to do for a few months. And now that I'm uh, in that sweet free choice, actually I say sweet, but sometimes free choice is, it's almost too broad because oh, you can do anything. Too many, 6,000 options, as you said, it's, it's hard. It's so hard. Um, but and this, you went outside of the 6,000 <laughs> I went <options>. outside. <laughs> and I'll explain why this came to me uh, towards the end of the report. But anyway, it's something I've wanted to do for a while mm-hmm. and I started reading and researching and I think she's had a pretty mm-hmm. phenomenal life. But I do want to warn you that her early life and, and actually quite a lot of her personal life, not great. Okay. So, um, you know, Godspeed to you two for bringing the comedy today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love that challenge. I'm just, I'm just here to do the report, okay? I'm just here for the info. You're here for the fun. We're here for the attainment. Exactly right. <laughs> I think, you know, Helen Reddy, I think she was on my mind because I think there's a new film coming out about her life. It's out. It's on stand. It's called I Am Woman. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm pretty sure it's out already or, yeah. So that's why it's front of mind, yeah. That must be why it's front of mind. Exactly Great Australian right. performer too, I think. It looks pretty good. I'm, I'll give it a watch. I love it. And Homer Simpson sings that song, or no, a Homer Simpson lookalike when he's when Bart's waiting to be picked up after soccer, sings I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar. <laughs> <laughs> I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> I used to, I love it. And it was in the same episode where oh, Homer yes. forget, forgets to pick up Bart. He's watching Wheel of Fortune. He's like, pick a bar? What the hell's pick a bar? <laughs> well, and Mark's just like... Homer, we, do you remember to pick up Bart? I'm on my way. <laughs> that's because that's the, that's the wheel of fortune. <laughs> I'm on my way. Sorry, Mark, did you say something? <laughs> that is very funny such stuff. A good, such a good episode. Good bit. Trap um, you, sip. Trap you, sip. Sorry, sorry. Is that the Big Brother episode? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's right. That's the start of that. One of Phil Hartman's great eps. So funny. <laughs> anyway, what an early sidetrack. We now, so for new listeners, <laughs> from now on, we sit quietly yes. and respectfully and we listen. That's right. So, Aretha Louise Franklin was born uh, on March 25th, 1942, at the family home in Memphis, Tennessee. Her parents were Barbara and Clarence Lavorn. He was known as CL. And her father was a Baptist minister, and her mother was an accomplished pianist and singer. Um, The family moved around a bit with CL's work, firstly to Buffalo, New York, and then to Detroit, where CL took over the pastorship of the New Bethel Baptist Church. Now, she was one of four children born to her parents. She had older siblings Irma and Cecil and younger sister Carolyn, all of them born two years apart. 1938, 1940, 1942, 1944. Bang, 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 bang. Oh, that's, I mean, that's good stuff. I love that. That's a well-planned family. I feel like once you've done that with the first two, you have to keep it going. Right. And what, what, what I mean? was it to the date? Like they're all born on the same date, two years apart? Sadly, no. That would... Actually, I don't know her siblings' <laughs> birthdays, so let's say yes. Because it's wow. easier to have one birthday party every year for all four oh, kids. Absolutely. One big bash. <laughs> love that. Um, so both, was, of... yeah. Ours, ours was more like exponentially. I was one calendar year after my older sister, and then my brother was like two and a half, or and then my younger sister three and a half. It was like each yeah, time right. that my parents were like, oh, let's <laughs> give it a little bit more <laughs> yeah. of a gap. I think. And are they still going? <laughs> yeah, they're still going. So, well, we assume so. I mean, the gap's quite large at the moment. Yeah, but. 
Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? You know, and that's their choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's got a little baby brother. Um, so both of her parents also had children from previous relationships. Her mother had a son named Vaughan um, from her, her past marriage. And CL, the Baptist minister, fathered a daughter outside of his marriage with a member of his congregation. Okay. Mm. Another note on her father. He sounds like a real character. I'm fascinated and perplexed by him. Um, He was quite famous by the sounds of it. He was friends with Martin Luther King Jr. He recorded more than 70 sermonic albums, which were broadcast on radio on Sundays. Uh, He was called the man with the million-dollar voice. Sorry, Dave. Wow. Dave's Dave's voice sounds cheap in comparison. Uh, Yeah. I mean, and also if you account for inflation, that's like a like what a 13 14 million dollar voice these yeah. days wow easily and here you are the man with the thousand dollar a hundred thousand dollar voice it's just not as good oh it sounds shitty now yeah sorry mate and how many semisonic albums did he record 70 70 albums of sermons oh sermon yeah sermon sonic what was the word semionic oh wow that's weird yeah, I had to look I it didn't up. Know what I was that like, meant. "Oh yeah, yeah like sermons." <laughs> yeah, yeah, sermonic, demonic. Seventy of them. And when, when you you're don't saying... want to make that mistake, you accidentally put out a demonic album when you're <laughs> trying to do a sermonic album. It's not with your brand. <laughs> and when you're saying like the million dollar voice, is that just a speaking voice, like for for preaching, or is he also singing? Do you think? Yes, he he had a uh, he was a good singer, but he had a style of preaching that he kind of seamlessly segued into song a lot. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so he's, he seems like a very charismatic, um, yeah, like pastor. I and love he... a, seeming, a, a seamless segue. It reminds me of the time when um, I was trying to do a seamless segue, but it was very <laughs> clunky, very clunky. <laughs> See, that's why. I don't have the million-dollar voice. No, you don't, and that's okay. Don't, like, we can't all have million-dollar voices. But for him it would have sounded like something like, uh, I love a seamless segue. It reminds me of the time. <laughs> Straight in there. <laughs> and he was like, he was pretty flashy. He dressed in flashy suits and he drove Cadillacs and he had a lot of affairs. He was a flashy guy. Wow, okay. Um, CL, you old dog. CL, his uh, Aretha's sister, Irma, said in an interview, I do know that my parents' relationship was stormy and that my father had a violent temper. I never saw him strike her, but we were all very conscious of not inciting daddy's wrath. So oh, not a, shit. yeah, not a great home life, obviously. Love that. Love someone, a preacher, it's sermons all about God and love. Yeah. And at home, well, that's. Weird, isn't it? Really weird. So due to his infidelities, uh, which also included a long-term on-again, off-again affair with gospel singer Clara Ward, who was quite famous at the time as well, the Franklins' marriage was a troubled one and they eventually divorced in 1948. So Aretha's mother, Barbara, went back to Buffalo, accompanied by her son, Vaughan, and the other children stayed with their father in Detroit. Go Bills, go Pistons. (laughs) Yes, I had that written in, but... um, (laughs) You did it. I didn't even need to definitely reference it. Um, So Aretha and her siblings would visit their mother and their brother in Buffalo during the summer and Barbara would come and visit them in Detroit. But obviously, you know, it's they're not – Buffalo and Detroit aren't super close by, so it's – you know, they don't get to see each other all that much. And this was when Aretha was six when her mum left and her brother Cecil said, as much as Aretha adored our father, she would have been thrilled to live with mother – but Dad made it clear that wasn't an option, so he kept the kids. Aretha right. and her sisters were all really talented singers. Irma and Carolyn also went on to have 
careers in music, but Aretha really stood out. She was particularly talented. So CL hired a piano teacher to help Aretha polish the skills. She'd she'd already taught herself a bit of piano, um, but she was a shy kid and whenever the piano teacher came over, she would hide, (laughs) which I get. I did that a little bit too when we had a piano teacher come into the house. She scared me a bit. Well, uh, what you haven't mentioned there is her piano teacher was the boogeyman. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. We called my piano teacher the dragon lady. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh. Not to her face, please. No. I don't remember what her name was, though. Hey, Dragon Lady. Hi, come on in. It's an ironic nickname. You're so adorable. (laughs) You're so soft and fluffy. Anyway, so she preferred to just play by ear, which she said has allowed me to develop a rather personal and signature style, which I treasure and would would not give up for anything or anyone. (laughs) I'm also imagining a six-year-old writing that, but that was probably later in life that she wrote that down. Um, in an interview later, a friend of her brother, um, who was a man named Smokey Robinson. Wow. Ring a bell at all? Yeah, that's all. Jeez, you're dropping some names early. There's a lot of them. And that's just her, that's her, a lot. her bro's friend. Yeah, they like, grew up together, grew up down the street. Smokey Robinson. So he said there was a grand piano in the Franklin living room and when Aretha sat down, even as a seven-year-old, she started playing chords, big chords. Mind you, this was Detroit where musical talent ran strong and free. Aretha came out of this world, but she also came out of another far-off magical world none of us really understood. Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't get it. What, where even is that? What's it like there? But, yeah, even as a very young child, she's, um, yeah, uh, people are seeing that she's quite exceptional. So her father would get her to perform for his famous friends who visited, including, again, some big names like Ella Fitzgerald and Nat King Cole. Um, but actually one of the people that was the, who influenced Aretha to become a singer um, was Clara Ward, who was, as I said, very successful gospel singer, but also the one who was having an affair with her father. So I'm fascinated by that dynamic, um, but I read that Aretha preferred to view them strictly as friends. She was like, oh, it's just Dad's friend. Yeah, kind of like how grandparents call um, new partners. Yeah, your oh, friend. Dave, oh, Dave, you've got a new friend, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I've had that, had that before. <laughs> this is my grandson, Dave, and his friend. <laughs> like, okay. Friend, well, like, girlfriends. I guess it's them being coy. They're trying to not, you know, you, maybe you haven't announced it yet, Dave. So, do you normally announce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I do. Everybody, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Everybody, please gather round. Gather round, family. This Little Davy has an announcement. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I've also had though uh, girlfriends' dads for years call you. You've had girlfriends' dads. <laughs> no, refer to everybody. Me. I'd like to make an announcement. <laughs> I have a girlfriend's dad. <laughs> they refer to you as uh, their daughter's friend, and you go. Mate, come on, is this wishful thinking on your behalf? What's yeah. going on? <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I'm in. I'm sorry. She, I'm so sorry. She, she loves me. She really I'm likes sorry. me. <laughs> sorry, we live together. I'm so sorry. I'm so, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got housemates. I get it. <laughs> would you prefer you, pen pals or would something? Would you prefer I called you my daughter's housemate or? Yeah, what do you, what do you prefer? <laughs> um, yes, so Aretha being inspired by this amazing and successful gospel singer, Clara Ward. Mm -hmm. But in Buffalo, Aretha's mother, Barbara, had been unwell and the cause of her illness was unknown. And on March the 7th, 1952, Vaughan was on his way home from school when he saw an ambulance speeding by. 
Barbara had passed away from a heart attack at the age of 34. Whoa. Oh, shit. She was young. So young. And Aretha was only a few weeks shy of turning 10, so she's only she's only little. And back in Detroit, CL told his children that their mother had passed away. Aretha later wrote, I cannot describe the pain. Pain is sometimes a private matter, and the pain of small children losing their mother de- defies description. It was just awful. So this event obviously had a huge impact on Aretha. After her mother died, she started singing. Um, well, she was always singing, but she she was putting more of herself into her singing and she was singing solos at the church um, where her father was was the, the preacher. And this is from an article in Rolling Stone, which I, which was like a, a big basis of this report. It's an amazing, amazing article. So it says, Ruth Bowen, who is Aretha's publicist, said, let me tell you about the kind of child Aretha was. She was a traumatised child. Seeing Aretha in her father's church, she looked like a lost child. Her eyes were filled with sadness. And then she got up to sing. This sound came out. It was gospel filled with blues. I mean, frighteningly strong blues, beautifully mature blues. After she sang, she sat back down and withdrew into her own little world. I like having these like these quotes and these insights into how profoundly talented she was from such an early age. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just sort of cool to see people describing it like that. Yeah, like she she was almost like the chosen one. Yeah, you know? it's like if it was a movie, it's she's Harry Potter or something, you know. Yeah, like, and you hear the stories... prophecy has foretold of a <laughs> yeah. woman with an amazing voice. You hear stories of people, you know, starting acting quite late in life, or you know, having completely normal childhoods and then finding fame and doing things. But like super early on, people heard her sing and went, "Oh, yep, okay, like wow. you're going to be huge." I don't think I've ever heard a kid sing like if I've ever heard a kid sing, I'm like, oh, very good. Nice. <laughs> oh, you're cute. <laughs> Great. Uh, it was fantastic when you stopped. Thank you. <laughs> I loved it when it ended. Aren't you clever? <laughs> Have you tried rap? I can't wait to be a stage Have you tried <laughs> sewing or, you know, sound something quieter? Yeah, why don't you go do some crafts for a bit <laughs> with felt, you know, a quiet craft. <laughs> No scissors allowed. No, they're too loud. Make one of the quiet, quiet crafts. That's a good. Why, why don't you pick one of the quiet crafts? Mummy's got a hangover. No, no scissors today. Oh, these are your kids. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, this is you guys talking to my children. <laughs> this is Uncle Matt going. Oh, okay. I was picturing like a a friend that you know a little bit and you see their kid and they're yeah. very proud of their kid singing and you have to be polite. But no, you're talking about <laughs> your own kids and it's not, yeah, well, if you if you really want to sing, we can work on it, we can practice together. It's like, no, none of that, no, no more, please Shush stop. now. <laughs> shush, shush. That's great. Yeah. I, I really do think you should have kids. <laughs> Thank Post-paste. you. Me too. <laughs> If not just to, you know, be a mummager, you know, I think I'll be yeah. a great stage mum. Oh, I think A so. dance mum. I'll be a dance mum, even though I never danced myself. Five, six, seven, yeah. eight. I can see you doing that a lot. That's how you wake up your kid. Well, I'm kind of going to call it Tefinica. <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful oh, name. Oh, wow, that sounds so lovely. That mm. is a really nice name. Thank you. Thank you for your well wishes. <laughs> Speaking of good names, Aretha is a sick name and you don't hear it. It's good, isn't it? I don't know if I... Do I know any other Arethas? I'm not sure that I do. I don't think so. 
Which is it's why she common. probably she's one of those few people who's if you say one name, you know, you don't need her surname. Yeah, exactly. Say right. Aretha, you know who you're talking about. Yeah, she's pretty pretty epic. So when she's twelve, um, CL started to act as a manager for his daughter. Manager and yeah, a dadager. <laughs> And he would travel. She'd travel around with him when he went on the road for his uh, gospel caravan tours for her to perform in various churches. He would go from place to place. Um, I read somewhere that he was getting paid like four thousand dollars for uh, like appearance fees or to to like come and do a sermon. Which it's what. And, and this is back in like the sixties, <laughs> the fifties, sixties. I mean, you got to pay the insurance premium on that million dollar voice somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. So yeah, she's off. Um, she's off performing with her dad. It's um, pretty insane. Also, at the age of twelve, this is something I never knew. At the age of twelve, Aretha fell pregnant with her first child. Oh my goodness! At the age of what? Twelve. 12. Holy shit! And amazingly, given the time, it wasn't made into a big deal. Her dad was supportive, uh, and her family kind of rallied around her. She had a baby at 12. Oh, she had a baby at 12? Yes. Holy shit. 1955. That's a real Gilmore Girls kind of scenario. Is that what happened in that show? That was like maybe she was 15 or 16 in that show. 12 is wild. I had no idea about that. And apparently, and we probably didn't know it because Aretha didn't really talk about it much. She didn't like to talk about right. it in interviews, which I understand. Um, so, yeah, 1955 she gives birth to her first child, Clarence, named after her father. Um, there were rumours about who the baby's father was, but she kept that to herself, didn't talk about it in interviews, never disclosed it. In fact, jumping ahead a little, it only really came out last year in 2019 oh. that the father was Edward Jordan, who she also had another child with two years later, another boy named Edward after its father, born in 1957. So she's 14 and she has two kids. Oh, my. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, that is... Uh, mind blowing. I mean, you say considering the time it wasn't made into a big deal, but like now that would be oh, like absolutely, yeah. Twelve year old, like I don't, I think that's a, been a big deal since maybe like the middle ages or something. Yeah, twelve. When that was probably normal. Now it's like what the fuck? Like I, yeah, I would have. That's mind blowing stuff. I know. It's... And it's how old? I mean, this is real dodgy, dodgy world here. What? Yeah. How old's the dad? I don't know. I'm uh, I'm assuming similar age, but I don't know. Six. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh, that I, is a young dad. A six-year-old dad, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's 14 with two children and she's also gaining more attention as a gospel singer. So she'd go on tour with her father's gospel caravan, which would travel all over the place to perform. And while their music was wholesome, the after-show activities were a little less so. Here's a quote from uh, another name you might recognise, Ray Charles. Oh, yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. Hey, Ray Charles. Anyway, apparently he would go on these occasionally and he said, I loved the church singers. When it came to, this is a very confusing quote, so see if you can help me unpack this. When it came to pure heart singing, they were motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when he said, when it came to pure sex, they were wilder than me and that's saying something. <laughs> Ray Charles, my God. So when it came to pure heart singing, they were motherfuckers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm very confused I th- by that I think quote he's using Ray that, Charles. That's positive. It sounds positive to me, right? Yeah, so they were amazing singers. Yeah. And amazing Dynamite sexes. in the sack. 
crazier even than, more him. So than him. Yeah. Wow. Well, mm. a, a guy called Nick Salvatore wrote a book about C.L. Franklin called Singing in a Strange Land, and he wrote, What arrangements C.L. made to shield her from the tour's nocturnal activities are not known, but her very presence unavoidably exposed her to experiences well beyond her years, which is absolutely true, but also she's already had two children. I mean, this is just classic church music tour stuff though isn't you know, it what you know it's on a church lot of tour. burning <laughs> yeah stays on church tour church do you know what the church is like it's all about sex oh, sex, yes. sex oh, yeah. rock so and horny roll. in the church oh. mm. starts with the organ finishes with the orgasm am i right <laughs> yeah big time so church across the road all i bloody see is just nudes 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 <laughs> I'm like, oh, put it away. I'm yelling that naked on my balcony, of course. <laughs> yeah. But that's well, on my balcony. <laughs> put it away, you little grubs. It's a Sunday. Anyway. So, yeah, she's on tour with with these people who are just, you know, singing by day, fucking by night. Oh, um, wow. I mean, good on them. Yeah. Living a life for sure. So around the same time in 1956, still with her I said 50 sticks. In 1956, still with her father managing her, she released her first album, Songs of Faith. Um, This album would later be re-released almost 10 years later in 1965, but it's 56, she's a teenager, uh, she's 14, first album's out, Songs of Faith. When she was 16, she even went on tour with Martin Luther King Jr., um, like singing at, at things that he would speak at, and she would even go on to sing at his funeral in 1968. Isn't that wild? Yeah. She just knows everyone. Sounds very well connected. Yeah, through her dad who seemed to be very well connected. Um, Two of the artists she was most inspired by were um, Dina Washington and Sam Cooke, both of whom were friends of her famous dad. And this is from the Rolling Stone article again. It says, neither fit any single genre. Both started in gospel but proved endlessly transformative. Amalgamate the two and you pretty much have the alchemy for Aretha Franklin. So they were really, really inspirational to her. Sam Cooke was a big star and his group, the Soul Stirrers, were often on tour with CL and his gospel caravan. So Aretha got to spend a lot of time with him and learn a lot about the music she wanted to make. So when she was 18, she told her father that she was inspired by Sam Cooke and wanted to make the move into pop music, wanted to move away from gospel. Uh, And he agreed because as Aretha's sister Carolyn said, the plan was to make her a star and make it happen quickly. So he's like, yes, go, be a a big star. So Berry Gordy, who famously founded Motown Records, wanted to sign Aretha, but CL thought Motown wasn't established enough yet and were too local. They needed bigger. Isn't that fucking wild? That's good. That's good foresight there. (laughs) Yeah. Motown. Motown, Schmotown. I'll never be anyone. Yeah, nothing. Um, So this is a nice quote from uh, Billy Davis, who was Berry Gordy's songwriting partner. He said, everything that she sang was with such emotion that you felt every word. She just had terrific control over her expressions. Amazing. So she's 18. People are still just like, fucking hell, she's so good. So they decided she should move to New York, which is exactly what she did, leaving her two children behind to live with her grandmother. So like their great-grandmother? No. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I understand families. Initially, she lived in cheap hotels and focused on trying to meet the right people who could help her. Um, From Rolling Stone again, it says, she and CL hired a new manager, Joe King. In early, (laughs) Joe King. That's very funny. People laugh when when he shakes their hands. He's like, what? I don't get it. (laughs) I didn't even pick it up when I was 
<laughs> but I was writing it or reading it. Joe here we King. Are. Joe King. In early 1960, King introduced CL to Phil Moore, an arranger and jazz pianist. <laughs> That's also funny. Phil Moore. God damn, these are great. <laughs> Moore sat down with Aretha at the piano and they played a few songs. Then he turned to CL and made uh, this statement about Aretha Franklin. Your daughter does not require my services. Her style has already been developed. Her style is in place. It is a unique style that, in my professional opinion, requires no alteration. <laughs> Just some nice feedback. I thought he was going to return to the dad and you were going to say, and he made this uh, this symbol and he rubbed his fingers together. You were <laughs> going to be rich. Oh, my God. He just gave him a thumbs up. Yeah. Huh? And uh-huh. then, then turned to Aretha and went, aren't you good? Yeah. Yes. Oh, well done. You're great for a child, which you still basically are. Oh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> so after learning that CL was trying to get Aretha signed with Columbia Records, Phil Moore suggested they meet with John Hammond, who was a great producer and who had discovered, he was sort of famously known for discovering 17-year-old Billie Holiday a few decades earlier. So he visited the studio and listened to a demo they had, they'd prepared for him and he did not need a lot of convincing. <laughs> he later said that he thought Aretha was an untutored genius, the best voice I've heard since Billie Holiday. It's like, it's epic. Yeah, wow, she's just extremely talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like abundantly clear immediately. People hear her sing and go, oh, yeah, okay. It's like jaw-dropping. So in January 1961, Columbia issued Franklin's first album, Aretha with the Ray Bryant combo. There's some good album names in here, by the way. So this is a first secular album, not gospel, not religious. Aretha with the Ray Bryant combo. Are they like a backing band? Yeah, it must be, yeah. Um, the album featured her first single to chart the Billboard Hot 100, which was Won't Be Long, which also peaked at number seven on the R&B chart. Before the year was out, she'd scored her first hit single with her rendition, this is confusing, with her rendition of the standard Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie Melody. Poetry. Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie Melody. You know? Yeah, great catchy song title. I love keeping them short and sweet. They don't write them like that anymore, let me tell you that. They don't. Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie Melody. For good reason too. (laughs) It became her first international hit actually. It reached top 40 in Australia and Canada as well. Pretty cool. Yeah, Australia. Um, Australia's the big market. That's the one you want. Yeah. If you can make it in Australia, you can make it anywhere. That's what they all say. <laughs> John Farmer. I think they have they do use Australia as a testing market and I think it, it does have a pretty good I remember reading this a while ago that it's got a pretty good record for like American artists to if they do well here, they'll do well uh at home and elsewhere. So we're tastemakers. Yeah, I think so. I think that's how I think of us. Trendsetters. Real trendsetters, yeah. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't happen that way and bands are only big here. Like um, I think Blink-182 were always bigger here than anywhere else. Oh, really? Yeah. It's funny how you're so, um, uh, like you shape your sense of things based on your surroundings and stuff. So I'm just like, yeah, they're big. I think, I think they're pretty big in America, but I think they were bigger here. Bigger here. And a lot of a lot of that surf punk stuff was um, re- relatively sold better in Australia than it did in America. I feel like Ronan Keating was very big here. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a it's a pretty good sign that they're bigger here than elsewhere when they end up being judges on our talent shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that, Kelly Rowland. Good Charlotte's another one. I think that was definitely yeah. Um, seal. More of a household name here than anywhere else in the world. We had Seal. S- seal. 
Kissed by a rose. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, I think I just sort of felt like mentioning that because I feel like we're so far away. And this is back in 1961 or, yeah, 1961 that I'm sort of like, wow, even we had it. <laughs> Cool. Even we liked Aretha back then. That's cool. Yeah, I know that it does. What sometimes it is like, oh, we we don't always get the cool stuff, especially back in the day. Yeah, we we'd, we'd miss some stuff. And there are bands that are huge in America that over here are like, oh, I don't really know them at mm. all. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. And vice versa. Isn't isn't culture? Full oh my god, fun? it's so fun. Especially when there's so much overlap between ours and America's. Well, one way anyway. There's overlapping our way, but it's funny when it. The bits that don't make it over. Yeah. Ah, oh, culture. Isn't it funny? It's so funny. <laughs> and definitely worth talking about. <laughs> I love it. I love culture. Oh, my goodness. Um, by the end of 1961, Aretha was named as a new star female vocalist in Downbeat magazine. It's not the, again, not the great title. New star female vocalist. And she released two more albums the following year. They were called... The Electrifying Aretha Franklin and The Tender, The Moving, The Swinging Aretha Franklin. Oh, that wow. one's a little long. It's a little long. The Electrifying Aretha Franklin, I don't hate. That's a, great, I think that's a good title. Good artwork as well. Her, like, you know, in lights. Yes, but how do you feel about The Tender, The Moving, The Swinging Aretha Franklin? I wasn't, uh, the swinging didn't really, I wasn't expecting it. Okay. I'm not a person. So what would, what would you be expecting after the tender, the moving, the... Beautiful. Oh, okay. But swinging. Yeah. So I'm picturing her on a swing. Oh, okay. You, all right, good. That's good. You sell it with so an you, image. Yeah, exactly. You have to. Matt, what do you think of those album titles? I think, I think they could use more words. You know? Okay, yeah. I reckon if you could just add in... To a Dixie tune at the end, or yeah. a Dixie melody to all of them. Yeah, I'd do that with every album. The electrifying always. Aretha Franklin with a Dixie melody. Yeah, now we're getting there. Somewhere. It is. <laughs> now that's great. Electrifying is awesome. Electrifying uh, is good. Um, it was around this time that at 19 years old she met and married Ted White, a businessman, songwriter, and producer. Her brother Cecil said that their father knew Ted was something of a shady character and that he thought the association would hurt Aretha. Apparently a lot of people thought this guy was a bit of bad news, um, but he seems like he was one of those very charming, charismatic guys. She was sort of young and fell hard. Um, Right. And they were like, "Mm, don't know about this guy. But her career's going well, and uh, we may know Aretha as the queen of soul now, but the term was actually thrown around really, really early in her career. It was in the 1960s. Um, during a performance at the Regal Theatre, this radio personality called Purvis Span. <laughs> Purvis Span. Too many S's in there. Sounds like he's going for a pun that didn't quite work. Purvis Span. Purvis Span. It's terrible. Anyway, he announced that uh, Aretha should be crowned the Queen of Soul and he even ceremonially placed a crown on her head. <laughs> like oh, a that's thing. rad. But, yeah, early on it was like, oh, you're, yeah, no one can top you. Incredible. I love those. I love how music has uh, done a, a real history of doing that, of um, crowning different artists, mm. with, often arbitrarily like that, it's just like a marketing thing. But that one has definitely stuck. Yeah. Uh, what are they, is Ray, Ray Charles' The Genius of Soul or something like that, I think? Yeah, and, I can't remember. Um, yeah. Chuck Berry was the 
the father of rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, I find those nicknames fun. Yeah. Neil Young, the godfather of grunge is a good one. <laughs> yeah, they're always just like just these titles. But it sort of comes maybe usually a bit later in their career. Yeah. You know, when they have like this huge big back catalogue to draw from and you go, yeah, okay, you've been really influential. This is early on, like she's still a teenager. <laughs> and they're like, the queen, we've got the queen here. Like, yeah, that's okay. it. It's very, yeah, you'd expect a teenager, they'd call her the princess of... Mm pop or something. Straight to Queen. Love it. Um, By 1964, she recorded more pop music and her music's charting across R&B charts and also easy listening. And apparently by the mid-60s, she's making 100K a year performing in nightclubs and theatres all over the country. Performing all the time. She's doing very, very well. I was so sure you were going to say this was one of those stories where the dad just took all the money. But (laughs) she's actually making money, which is She's doing pretty well. Despite the success, the songs are charting well, but her albums aren't performing super well. And Columbia felt their albums didn't really fit any easily identifiable demographics of listeners because they included such a range of genres, like show tunes and love songs and blues and pop and R&B. It was sort of too hard to categorise her. Um, So when her contract was up with Columbia, she moved over to Atlantic Records and they'd wanted her for a while. Um, and a guy called Jerry Wexler called up and spoke with Ted White, her husband, who was now acting as her manager. And in November of 1966, she and Ted White sat down in Wexler's office and they made a deal. And Aretha later wrote, I felt a natural affinity with the Atlantic sound. To me, Atlantic meant soul. So she felt like she's, this is a good decision. We're going in the right, right direction. In January of 1967, she, she travelled to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, to record at Fame Studios and recorded the song I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, backed by the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, just a group (laughs) of uh, musicians. She only spent one day recording at Fame um, because an altercation broke out between her manager and husband, Ted White, and the studio owner, Rick Hall, as well as one of the horn players, (laughs) and the the session was abandoned. Um, The Rolling Stone article that I mentioned goes into this in a lot more detail about what happened. It seemed like the recording part went well um, and as soon as, as always in her career, as soon as she opened her mouth and sang, the other musicians there were just sort of like, oh, shit, okay. Like they they were like, she walked in a nobody and then she started singing and they thought, okay, well, we're working with a genius here. Yep, sure. So um, they were all very, she won them over. But I think there was like drinking and some personality clashes, some very strong personalities, and a fight broke out that night. And Ted and Aretha left um, Alabama to go back to New York. Um, and this is another great paragraph from the Rolling Stones article. It says, The events of that night, as much as the liberating recording session during the day, amounted to breakthroughs for Franklin. She wanted out of Muscle Shoals, no question, and probably not for the first time, wanted out of her marriage as well. There had been troubling rumours about the couple. But for a time, Franklin put up with White's rule. So things are about to change. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, Jess, I'm absolutely loving the story, but can I just drop in for a second here to ask you, a question. Please. And that question is, when you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, I assume. Well, mainly because most you d- of the time. Most, okay, but mostly because you don't want random passerbys to be looking in on you. Of course. Dave, where is this going? <laughs> let me get to my point, which is, so if you do that, why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Mm. Using the internet without our good friends ExpressVPN is basically... Basically, like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Yeah. Oh, now I Do you get where it. You're going, Dave. Yeah, now I get it. And that um, actually segues nicely into this point. Did you know that your internet service provider, like Comcast or Verizon, <laughs> knows every <laughs> single website you visit? And what, all of them. All of them do. And what's worse is that they can sell that information to ad companies and tech giants, literal giants. What? Who oh, use your like data? In Pacific Rim. Yeah, and they'll use your data to target you. Whoa. ExpressVPN is the answer because it puts a stop to this. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone, especially Verizon or Verizon, as some people say. (laughs) Oh, that sounds weird. (laughs) Well, if you're like me and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash do go on today. Use my exclusive link, our exclusive link, thank you very much, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash do go on, which is D-O-G-O-O-N. And you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash do go on. And Jess, why don't you do go on? Thank you, I will. So anyway, she goes back to New York. And uh, she still brings in the band that she was working with, the Muscle Shoals. Um, oh, and we'll never get over that name. M- Muscle Shoals. And she brings in her sisters, Irma and Carolyn, for harmonies as well. So they put the finishing touches on the songs they'd worked on, uh, which were I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You and Do, Do Right Woman, Do Right Man. 
and they release them two days later. They put the finishing touches on, release them. I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You peaked at number one on Billboard's R&B singles chart in April and number nine on the pop chart. They also released her version of Otis Redding's Respect, which reached number one on both the R&B and pop charts. Did you know that was a cover? Yes. Yeah, it was originally written by a man. <laughs> it, was... it fully changes the meaning of the song. It's amazing. It's quite different too. So Otis Redding recorded it only a couple of years earlier in 1965 and it's great but it's very, very different and Aretha's version put a twist on the original. Like it, it wasn't so much a yearning plea, it was like a demand, you know? Yeah. It was demanding respect. And so it was no longer a man's petition. It was something of a of a threat that switched gender tables. That's how it was described. It was something completely new. Apparently when Jerry Wexler played the new version for Otis Redding, he said, I just lost my song. Uh, yeah, and he was right. Yeah. Jeez, that's so so um, switched on of him Yeah, to know that instantly. And, and he's still, like, he's still fun. Like, it's a great yeah. track still, but you're like, oh, yeah, nah, she wiped the floor with you. <laughs> I mean, good job, Otis Redding, um, I guess. Yeah, yeah. legendary yeah. musician, <laughs> well I guess. Done, I suppose, but um, hers is great. Right. And it became her signature song and it was later hailed as a um, civil rights and feminist anthem. It was massive, so it was really big for her. In 1968, she won her first two Grammys, including the debut category for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance. She toured outside of the US for the first time in May of that year as well, including an appearance in Amsterdam, where she played to a hysterical audience who covered the stage with flower petals. She was also on the cover of Time magazine in June. Like, she's just having this massive year. It's all, it's all happening. But also in 1968, she separated from her husband, Ted White, um, with whom she'd had a, a child as well called Ted Jr., born in 1964. Jeez. So, so she's so got three every, kids. Every kid she had was named after one was after the grandfather, one after and the other two after the father's. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's cool. Keep it simple. Yeah. There's it, no pressure then. But it's you good know, when you're just like, gone through a birth. You, you know, don't have to think of a name now. You've had plenty of time to think of it ahead of time, but you're right. It's like when you can't think of a lie, so you just sort of look around the room. Yeah. In this case, they're like, what do you want to call it? And they're like, oh, I don't know, Ted. That, that guy's name? <laughs> uh, Ted. Uh, between that and bed. <laughs> what do you Ted or bed? Ted or bed. You pick. <laughs> I've just looked up uh, Otis Redding just to see if he had a cool nickname, like all the ones we were talking about before. He had four, the big O, the madman from Macon or Macon. Rockhouse Redding and the King of Soul. Oh, so, that's cool. He's the king to Aretha's Her queen. queen. What was the one before that? Big Red. No, uh, Rockhouse Redding. Rockhouse Redding. I love that's that. That's pretty good. Big Red's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I got Big Red from. Big O, I think I just combined them. Mm. Anyway, so she's touring and becoming really successful, but as with so many greats, she had battles in her personal life as well. She apparently formed a habit of. Um, abusing alcohol as a way of coping with her failing marriage, even falling off the stage at one time and breaking her arm. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. Not a singing arm, I hope. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Ooh, they were like, I'm sorry, you'll never sing again. <laughs> <laughs> I hold the mic with this arm. <laughs> Can you use the other hand? No. <laughs> I've never, never ventriloquized again. <laughs> she would, that, what people don't know is until that point her whole act was Singing with a ventriloquist dummy. And then people said, okay, now you can't use the dummy. Why don't you just sing there? Because really people are coming for the voice. Like they're buying yeah. your records <laughs> for the voice. Like, it was a huh. real game-changing yeah. moment. 
It was a massive moment in her career, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I did I did forget I did leave that out, so thank you for picking that Initially, up. Initially she was known it. as the Queen of Singing Hands <laughs> yeah. up a dummy's butt, but yeah, that was shortened later. <laughs> but you know, back then everything like the titles and stuff were longer, so mm. we got mm. snappier now. Yeah. Better editors. So her success continues to grow into the 70s. She returned to gospel music in this two-night live church recording with the album Amazing Grace, and it sold more than two million copies. Just exploded. Yeah. What some have called her golden era at Atlantic ran from early 1967 to early 1972, and during that time she was unquestionably the top solo female singing star while also manifesting ongoing changes in black America's consciousness. This is from the Rolling Stone article. Obviously, I couldn't write anything quite so eloquent. Um, says the black revolution certainly, this is a, a quote from Aretha, the black revolution certainly forced me and the majority of black people to begin taking a second look at ourselves, she later said. But I must say that mine was a very personal evolution, an evolution of the me and myself. I've gained a great deal of confidence in myself, which is nice. But these years also proved intense and variable for the singer. She was still in the aftermath aftermath of her volatile marriage to Ted White while starting a new relationship with her road manager, Ken Cunningham, and in March of 1970 she gave birth to their son. Uh, Ken. Ke- no, but oh, I'll be Ken. it's like it's like Kikaf, Kikaf, K-E-C-A-L-F. I think that's oh, pronounced cool. Ken. Ken. Yeah, that is Ken. Let's call him Ken. It's like how Americans say Craig, like Craig. Yeah. It's the same deal. We say Key they, Calf, they say Ken. Cacao? Ken, Ken, yeah, that's mm, right. Ken. So as a result of, you know, just a lot happening, her live appearances were a bit, a bit more infrequent and the sudden disappearance of Aretha was a frequent occurrence, says Jerry Wexler. No one used the words nervous breakdown, but we knew. So she was having a bit of a rough time in the... Mid-70s, and the late 70s were harder and Aretha's albums weren't performing very well. She continued having R&B success with songs such as Until You Come Back To Me and I'm In Love, but by 1975 her albums and songs were no longer top sellers. Atlantic, um, her albums with Atlantic including Sweet Passion, which was in 1977, Almighty Fire in 78 and La Diva in 79, love La Diva, um, they all bombed on the charts. Um, and in 1979, she left Atlantic Records. She married her second husband, actor Glyn Terman, on April 9th, uh, 1978. <laughs> Glyn Terman. That's Terman. not a real name. <laughs> That's an alien. Every now and again, we come across <laughs> one of these aliens who comes down, gets in a human form, and, and comes up with a, what they think is a human sounding name. Yeah. That's, they've just missed the mark. They think we won't know. Glyn. <laughs> Glyn Terman. Sorry. That was <laughs> Sorry, Alien, not this time. Not this time. You won't get past us. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that was her second marriage in uh, 1978, but they separated in the early 80s. It was a um, bit of a shorter marriage. The late 70s were just an all-round terrible time. Um, on Sunday, June 10th, 1979, just after midnight, her father... C.L. Franklin, was shot twice at point-blank range during what was believed to have been an attempted robbery at his home in Detroit. He was taken to Henry Ford Hospital where he remained in a coma for the next five years. Whoa! Whoa. 
And he passed away in 1984. He never woke up? No. I thought you were going to say days and I would have been like, that's a long time. Five years. Wow. Isn't that wild? So she lost her mum really young. Now her father's gone as well in the 80s. Oh, imagine five years not knowing if he was going to wake up. That's awful. Yeah. Oh, just terrible. But like we hear a lot with these kind of stories, it's like every biopic, biopic you you see, it's always like there's a slump and there's hardship and then there's a comeback. And 1980 was a very big year for Aretha. Um, after leaving Atlantic Records, she signed with Clive Davis's Arista Records. That same year she gave a command performance at London's Royal Albert Hall in front of Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> Fuck, that'd be cool. Imagine doing stand-up in front of the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any. I think that, she wouldn't laugh. At is that what Aretha did? Did she do stand up? Yeah, yeah. They were like, "Do you want to sing?" She's like, "No." <laughs> but I've got some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I got some good jokes. So, strap in, Lizzie. She also <laughs> had an acclaimed guest role as a soul food restaurant proprietor and wife of Matt Guitar Murphy in the 1980 comedy musical The Blues Brothers. It's a good scene. She's great. Great scene. She's so, so good. good in it. She performs Think. It's incredible. Um, Her first record with Arista Records was called Aretha. See? Oh, yeah. Now you're getting it. Mm. Yeah. That was in 1980. She ends up, her last album's called A. Mm. That's all she needs. It just keeps shortening (laughs) A to the tune of Dixie. (laughs) The Dixie melody. (laughs) Yeah. It featured the number three R&B hit United Together and her Grammy-nominated cover of uh, Otis Redding's I Can't Turn You Loose. So she's nominated for a Grammy for that. In 1981. um, He heard her version and he said, hmm, I'll keep this one. (laughs) (laughs) Sucked in. Um, 1981's Love All the Hurt Away. Love All the Hurt Away. That's good. Included her uh, (laughs) famed duet of the title track with George Benson, while the album also included her Grammy-winning cover of Sam and Dave's Hold On, I'm Coming. (laughs) What is that song about? (laughs) It's about your friend out the front beeping the horn at you. (laughs) Hang on. Fucking hold on. I'm coming. I can't find my keys. (laughs) I need my keys, don't I? (laughs) I've got my lip balm. I've got my wallet. I've got my phone. I can't find my fucking keys. <laughs> yeah, been there, my friend. So, yeah, she's she's won a Grammy for that. Uh, she achieved a gold record for the first time in seven years with 1982 album Jump To It. And this is such a good fucking album. 1985's Who's Zoomin' Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how ahead of their time were they? Yeah. I who's mean, zooming who? Comes around and everyone's zooming everyone. Everyone's like, who isn't zooming whom? You know? Hmm. Um, well, it became her first Arista album to be certified platinum. So she's like, fuck, she's coming back strong in the Hold 80s. On. She's, she's coming it. back strong <laughs> with a Dixie melody. <laughs> <laughs> Next decade's a little bit of a roller coaster. Some flops, some hit records, but she's working the entire time. She's performing. She's so prolific with albums. I'll tell you at the end how many she did. It's a lot. Um, (laughs) She became the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. And how wild is this? This is from Wikipedia, but I've read this story in several places. 
Franklin received global praise after her 1998 Grammy Awards performance. She'd initially been asked to come and perform in honour of the 1980 The Blues Brothers film in which she appeared with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Yes, we know Wikipedia. Thank you. That evening, after the show had already begun, Pavarotti himself contacted show producers and said he was too ill to perform the opera aria Nessun Dorma as planned. The show's producers were desperate to fill the time slot and approached Aretha Franklin with their dilemma. She was a friend of Pavarotti and had sung that song two nights earlier at the annual uh, <laughs> Music Hairs event. She, she asked to hear Pavarotti's rehearsal recording and after listening agreed she could sing it in the tenor range that the orchestra was prepared to play. So the orchestra's already ready to go and she's like, yeah, I can do it in that range. Over a billion people worldwide saw the performance and she received an immediate standing ovation. Oh, <laughs> she no. She just did an aria. Now Pavarotti's lost a song as well. <laughs> <laughs> She's there to do something else and they're like, hey, could you sing this aria? She's like, let me have a listen. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Gotcha. When am I going on? Five minutes. No worries. What, now? No worries, we got it. Luckily, she'd performed literally that song two days earlier. With Pavarotti? No. It was like, I think it was like a tribute to Pavarotti. But she was like, I think she would have done it in a different sort of vocal range. But she's like, yeah, all right, I can do it. I can do 10. No worries. That is. (laughs) That's a famous one as well, isn't it? I've heard of that. I I don't think I know a lot of arias, but I reckon I know that one. I think it's one we'd know if we heard, but I don't recognize the name. But. I'm sorry if you do at home and you're thinking I'm an ignorant idiot. Look, we all know oh, different there's, things. There's some there's some real opera snobs out there. Is it opera? Oh no, I've made it worse. <laughs> They're like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's 1998. She did that. It's wild. 2000s are big for her as well. 2009, she made international headlines for performing "My Country, Tis of Thee" at President Barack Obama's inauguration ceremony. In fact, I think the thing that was that people talked about the most was the hat that she wore. She wore a big flashy oh, hat. Yeah. People were like, whoa, look at that hat. <laughs> That's the social media era, yeah, isn't it? exactly. Before that, they're like, God, her voice. Now they're like, look She's... at that hat. <laughs> <laughs> then there's memes. Everyone's wearing that hat. You they're putting that, that hat, hat on other people. I think My dog's was... wearing that hat. Look at this. I think there was like the Smithsonian wanted the hat. Okay. Iconic a... hat. I don't recall the hat. Me either, but it was an iconic hat. In 2014, so this, so this is just like back-to-back standing ovations. 2014, she performed to a standing ovation, a compilation of Adele's Rolling in the Deep and Ain't No Mountain High Enough on The Late Show with David Letterman. <laughs> and then I think that her cover of Rolling in the Deep went on like a an album of covers. Aretha did a, an album. I didn't write it down. She did an album of covers of Divas and so she did that track and, and then it did very, very well too. But imagine being Adele who, like, that was off one of her early albums. Is it the first one? No, I think the second so she, one. Second one, right? So 21. So she's 21 years old and Aretha Franklin is covering your track. Like, I mean, that's... Oh, my God. Oh. I mean, what a tribute, but also, like, a, you, you, it comes out that you're on the album of Divas and you're like, oh, hang on yeah. a second. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm 21. All, and and you're like, oh, I really need this song. And Aretha's like, mine now. <laughs> mine now. People can Sorry. Never, and you can never do it justice again, despite even Adele's fantastic voice, yeah. Up, 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 mine now. Sorry. Bye-bye. <laughs> I collect these. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing that made me want to do the report. Uh, at the 2015 Kennedy, Center's, Kennedy Center Honours, during the section honouring Carol King, 
Aretha performed You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, which Carol King co-wrote, and once again, a standing ovation. Oh, I've yes. seen that the footage of that and Carol King's in the crowd like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Barack Obama is crying. Yeah, it's awesome. It is incredible. I saw it a couple of months ago just on one of those nights we were just like playing lots of different music and like YouTube clips on the TV and just listening to music really loud and that came on and I watched it and my like my jaw dropped and I had full body chills and tears in my wow. eyes. It is amazing and I thought... I thought when I was writing this report, I was like, am I just, was I just, you know, did it just catch me in the right mood? I watched it again two hours ago, same thing. (laughs) No kidding. Sounds like the kind of performance if it was done on Australian Idol, Mark Holden would have given it a touch. Oh, yes. Is it that good? It's that good. He probably would have made a weird comment about her outfit or something, but he still would have given it a touch down. And if it was on American Idol, Randy would have given it, that's a yes from me, dog. (laughs) Which is rare. That's That's a wow. He's usually a no from me, dog, but he flips it because it's that good. It's a no from me, dog. (laughs) It's actually, it's incredible. She's 73. Oh, my God. She she comes out in this big fur coat, sits down at the piano. She starts playing. You're like, oh, damn, she can still play. And then she starts singing and you're like, fuck, because her voice is still so good. And, yeah, Obama's tearing up. Everyone's singing And have they all got those rainbow suspenders on for the the Kennedy Awards? Yeah, they look look cool somehow, those rainbow suspenders. It's pretty cool. (laughs) And then, like, three quarters of the way through the song, she stands up, walks away from the piano, somebody else comes in to start playing and so she's just singing in front of the crowd and as she's sort of like getting really into it, she just takes off her fur coat and just like chucks it to the side and everybody, the whole place just stands up oh, and I like the, the crowd is screaming and she's just singing. It's honestly so amazing and, and that's why I was like, we should do a report on her <laughs> and then nobody had suggested it and I was like, I'm going to wait until I get free choice. As soon as, nice. as soon as he dropped that jacket with a Smithsonian on the phone trying to secure it. <laughs> Look, we're going to get that jacket. We missed out on the hat. I am not missing out on that jacket. <laughs> well, I find that jacket. Did, the, did she sing um, Hey Big Spender after that? <laughs> Rainbow suspenders. <laughs> dun, 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 Down on night. table three. She did come Whatever. out with like she was just carrying her purse. Like she just had a sparkly clutch with her. Like she was just like, I'll just I'll just pop in to do this. It's a clutch, cool. uh, for listeners who don't know, that's a handbag without a uh, strap. Mm-hmm. I learned that many years ago and it's my favourite little fact to it's drop It's honestly in. like a less convenient handbag because now you have to carry it. It's a wallet. A big wallet. It's a big, it's a big purse, I guess. Anyway, an incredible performance. You absolutely should check it out. Um, I'll I'll leave it in the references so you can find it easily, Matt. I'll just send it to you as soon as we're done, and then I'll watch oh, you, you watch so it much. if that's okay. That would be fantastic. Great. Um, reaction video. Should we get into reaction videos? <gasps> yes. Everyone loves those. They make so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully gonna do one for this video. I'll put it on our YouTube channel. Yes. And it's just sort of me, sort of tapping my chin. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> But oh. are you going to actually put the clip in the corner or you're just going to have yourself? No, no. It'll be, <laughs> pop, it'll be just my face. You won't be able to hear the music. And then you just go, oh, the jacket, the jacket. It's, oh, the jacket. It's she mentioned video that. video of me nodding. <laughs> of course I'll put the video in, Jess. Okay, I, I want asking. everyone to get the full experience. I was just asking. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, in uh, 2010... Uh, Aretha Franklin cancelled a number of concerts 
to have surgery for an undisclosed tumour. Having lost three of her siblings to cancer, two of them like within a couple of months of each other, um, she seemed pretty determined to fight and did a big comeback show the following year. Um, Over the next few years, she had to cancel some performances but did as many as she possibly could and announced that 2017 would be her final year touring, which, I mean, she was 75, so I think that's fair. (laughs) I think that's okay. And she's been going since she was, like, 11. Yeah. Like 12 years old she was out performing with her dad. Crazy. Wild. You can retire at 75. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Um, But sadly, on August 13, 2018... Aretha was reportedly uh, was reported to be gravely ill at her home. She was under hospice care and surrounded by f- friends and family, uh, including Stevie Wonder, Jesse Jackson, and her ex husband Glyn Turman. <laughs> Glyn Turman, phone home, Glyn Turman. Your time on on this earth is, <laughs> is over. Phone home. He just beams up. Oh, I should also mention her um, her partner up until uh, this point as well was a guy called Willie Wilkerson. Okay, another one. So she's got she's got a type. She's got a type, and that's aliens. <laughs> um, but Aretha Franklin died at her home on August 16, twenty eighteen, aged seventy six, um, which is a, a fucking absolute loss. And I just wanted to list a few of her achievements and recognitions here as well. This is quite a long list, and I haven't even included all of them. So she received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1979. Her voice was declared a Michigan natural resource in 1985. <laughs> trying to monetize it somewhere. Yeah. Ours, shotgun. Maybe we could sell it to the Russians. <laughs> she became the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. Um, the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences awarded her a Grammy Legend Award in 91 and then the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 94. She was the recipient of the National Medal of Arts in 99 and bestowed the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2005. She became the second woman inducted into the UK Hall of Fame in 2005. In 2019, she was awarded a Pulitzer Prize Special Citation for her contribution to American music and culture for more than five decades, making her the first individual woman to receive a Pulitzer Prize Special Citation. In 2010, she was ranked first on Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 100 greatest singers of all time and ninth on the list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. She released 40 studio albums. 40. Wow, you happy with that number? 40. I'm so happy with that. <laughs> God, imagine if it was like 41. Whoa, 40. Yeah, please, no posthumous releases. <sighs> it's going to happen. You'll be yeah, furious. Yeah, it probably already has, to be honest, but I, yeah, damn it. Um. She was nominated for a Grammy Award 44 times what? and won 18. Wow. She'd be up there then. Up there with Nora Jones. Yeah. So many Grammys. Yeah, but there's, a, there's just one photo that I remember of Nora Jones like cuddling. Well, like she won like Grammys 10 or something in one night, didn't she? Yeah. And that's what I don't know why, but that's all I associate the Grammys with. Is Nora, Nora Jones. Jones hugging a pile of them. <laughs> um, and just to, to wrap it up nicely, President Obama, uh, after this performance of a natural woman, you make me feel like a natural woman, at the 2015 Kennedy Centre Honours. He said, American history wells up when Aretha sings. Nobody embodies more fully the connection between the African-American spiritual, the blues, R&B, rock and roll, the way that hardship and, and sorrow were transformed into something full of beauty and vitality and hope. 
And Aretha Franklin later recalled that night, that 2015 Kennedy Center Honours, as one of the best nights of her life. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, Isn't that really so nice? nice? But, yeah, so that's sort of my report. I, I know I rushed through a lot of the back end. I meant to say up the top that I was going to be focusing a lot on her early life um, because I knew nothing about it at all. Um, I didn't know heaps about her personally anyway, but obviously I was familiar with her music and I I knew who she was. But, um, yeah, I wanted to kind of focus on kind of those formative years, but far out. Uh, there's still so much more you could talk about um, with Aretha Franklin. She had a, a really fascinating and hard and, um, yeah, yeah, a difficult but impactful life. Amazing. It's a great story. Yeah. What a legend. Can I read you one thing I just found when I... I... I tried to find her hat before oh, and yeah. I found this article, which I think you guys like. Oh, I also looked up Glenn Terman. He's an actor that I recognise and he's from so many things. Yeah, but he's and, also yeah. an alien. <laughs> an alien, yeah. No wonder he's so good in TV. He's got he's using his alien powers. He was even in uh, multiple episodes of Murder, She Wrote in the 80s. Oh, my you know? goodness. He's done it all. That famous mm. sci-fi. He's been in everything. I uh, was in Gremlins. You play a Gremlin? Yeah. In, he's done in it all. He's in The Wire. He's in... Uh, House of Lies, The Red Line, so much stuff. Fargo. All right, anyway, um, I found this article. The first thing that came up when I Googled Aretha Franklin's hat, (laughs) Uh, and this is the article, and it's written just after she died. The Queen of Soul, this is in people.com. The Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, died on Thursday at the age of 76 of advanced pancreatic cancer of the neuroendocrine type. And ever since the news broke, moving tributes have been pouring in, remembering the legendary singer and her most memorable performances. From her five-minute-long national anthem at the 2016 <laughs> Detroit Lions game to her Blues Brothers cameo, she had made she she's had many unforgettable moments. But there is one image from recent years that people will always remember, and it has to do with her style. During Franklin's performance at President Barack Obama's inauguration, Her hat immediately stole the show and became the day's most popular meme. And the designer behind the topper, Luke Song of Mr. Song Millinery, spoke to people about his close relationship with the Queen. The whole article is about the hat. About the hat. She just died. (laughs) Fuck it all. So they're like, obviously, she's had a lot of unforgettable moments, but the thing that people remember most is that hat from a couple of years ago. Here's our interview with the guy who created the hat. It's like a Simpsons. That feels like something from The that Simpsons. It is from The Simpsons. That's the inanimate carbon rod. Or on The Simpsons when they've got Malibu Stacey. This one comes with a cheap hat. It has a hat. <laughs> All the kids are, and, and Smith is like tear, tear each other apart to get a crappy doll with a cheap hat. Oh, that is, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, that's pretty funny. I mean, obviously, people.com's pretty high quality. Um, journalism. I also looked up because uh, I was just fact checking myself when I said that um, Blink One Eight Two and Good Charlotte were bigger in Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that was true at the start of their careers, and then I guess that was kind of my point in a way. Australia's like a testing ground. Their first albums charted in Australia and New Zealand uh, a lot higher. Cheshire Cat for Blink One Eight Two didn't chart in America, it did in Australia, and then Do Drench. 
charted higher in Australia than anywhere else in the world, and then they started climbing the charts. So are you uh, hoping that a few people have deleted some tweets in the last hour? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and Good Charlotte's the same. They they charted in the top 100 only in Australia and New Zealand with their first album. Um, actually, I live in America and I have all of their albums. Okay, yep, we're talking on a bigger scale. <laughs> so defensive. <laughs> How defensive are we? We're but, yeah, that, I... Uh, it, yeah, that is. I don't know why that was that they. It feels like surely you get your start in your home country, then you go abroad. But yeah. it doesn't always go that way, and that is true for Australian acts often as well. They'll prove themselves overseas before Australia goes. Oh, you're bigger yeah. there. Yeah, then we we we've like always you now. loved you. We've we always have. We claim them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But Aretha Franklin, what a life! That is amazing stuff, Jess. What a hat! That's what I got out <laughs> yeah, of it mainly. Yeah. There wasn't enough uh, focus on the hat for my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. guessing you're going to do a full report on the hat. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. like I, I didn't want to burn it here. Yeah. And I just sort of felt like there's enough in it for a full report. <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably what I'll be doing next week is a follow-up. Um, awesome. Aretha Franklin's hat. Great. Oh, that's Can fantastic. I... Can't wait for that. Wait. This was a good little sort of prequel episode. Yeah, it was like a little teaser. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really hard with um, with a lot of, like, you know, biographies of artists like this with a, with a career spanning five decades and it's just so hard to capture everything that they do. So, oh, I mean, you know, 40 albums, how are you ever going to mention those? Come exactly. on, you just can't. And it's also pretty tedious to just be like, and then in 78 uh, this album came yeah, out. Yeah, and just listing um, what it charted yeah, at. You can't exactly. list them all. No. So I hope that gave you a bit of an overview. Um, like I said, there's a, an amazing article in the Rolling Stone um, which was really, really helpful for putting all this together. So I'll link to that if you want to read a bit more about her as well because it and was amazing. And check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pod for my reaction video. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I want to see. I really, I really hope you cry. I really hope you do. I want to see well, the goosebumps. I'm going in with high expectations. Yeah. I'm going to um, insult you a bunch first just to yeah. make you fragile Okay. and then show you something. And then hope that that helps. Yeah. And then hopefully it'll be a touchdown from me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to everyone's favourite part of the show where we get to get some facts and some quotes and some questions. It has a little jingle. It goes like this. Fact, quote or question. I always remembers the ding. That's why I'm the queen of jingles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the king of the ding. The jingle queen. But she did. <laughs> king of the ding. <laughs> Her over four minutes a version of the anthem because of she was just doing like vocal improvisation. So I should do that more with the jingle, I think. Oh, have you seen that? Have, have you seen the Aretha anthem? I actually haven't, but I'm obviously a great voice, but is it slightly tedious by the end? I'm sure it would be. I haven't seen it either. Or I think I did ages ago, but I, ha- I didn't watch it while <laughs> researching this. But what does it usually go for? A minute, minute and a half? <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of flourishes. The land of the free. <laughs> Do you think we're going to have, uh, like our generation will have um, those kind of legendary titles down the track, like Beyonce and Mariah Carey and stuff like with those big voices? Mm. Will they end up being seen like that or is that? That's sort of a thing of the past. Oh, where I don't know. Yeah, they'll be, they'll, they'll be like Spotify, Queen of Pop or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll, <laughs> yeah. it'll be sponsored by. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce. 
Pepsi's Queen Bee. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the Ford Broncos, <laughs> vocalist of the decade. <laughs> anyway, so the way to get involved in the fact quote or question section is to get involved on the patreon.com slash do go on pod website. And if you sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level, it's one of the higher levels, you get to give us a fact, a quote or a question. There's multiple levels on the Patreon though, and you can, depending on what you want to pay or support us, you get different rewards on different levels. But those on the fact, quote, or question level, the Sydney Scheinberg level, get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. Makes sense. Firstly, this week, this one comes from Rachel Johnson, who's given herself the title of Executive in Charge of Pipes and Bluebell Gathering. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Bluebell. Is that, is that a kind of cheese? No, what's Bluebell? Flower. Or a flower. I oh. only know and that pipes? because there's Bluebell. You can go gather Bluebells in The Sims. Oh, and Pipes? Uh, is it is it all a Sims yeah. reference? Is there plumbing in the in the Sims? Well, yeah, they have toilets. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. So they, I'm sure and they showers. Clo- sure, they close the door as well. And sinks. Rachel, the doors just close behind them. You don't get the option to leave the door open. Disappointing. Yeah. Rachel, I don't fully understand your title, but I'm so glad you're here to fulfil that role. Uh, it's been sitting vacant for quite a while. So, <laughs> cheers, Rachel. And Rachel's given us a quote, and her quote is. Her favourite quote, and this is it. Everybody remember where we parked. <laughs> <laughs> is it the itchy lot? <laughs> no, it's actually uh, taken from Captain James T. Kirk in Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, and it is a very practical saying which I use all the time. It's fun to say to people who know it's from Captain Kirk, but it's also fun to say to people who don't realise it's a quote. <laughs> that's that. fun. It's fun either way. But, and that's funny that he would say that in Star Trek. Absolutely. But it, often when I'm parking, I'll say, remember, we parked in the itchy lot. Ah, mm. uh, yes. A lot. So I get it. Yeah, I get you, it. you do say that a lot, Dave. <laughs> a little too much, mate. Yeah, I say even when we're not in the car. <laughs> we're on a plane and Dave's like, remember where we parked? <laughs> Like, shut up, Dave. <laughs> We've just been on a 14-hour flight. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I never stop talking. <laughs> and we love you for it. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, that's great. I love that it's such a practical thing that you can bring it up all the time. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. Uh, I'd also love to thank Joe Flashman, uh, who's given himself the title of the head custodian of making sure all mogwais acquired by the podcast do go on are not fed after midnight, exposed to light, or gotten wet. They're the ones that turned into gremlins, right? I mentioned gremlins just before. You did. Gl- Glad his name funny. is Glim. Glim's in it, is that right? Glim. Glim. Yeah, Glim. Glim Torman. Terman. Terman. It's a great name. It's really grown on me, but it doesn't sound like a real name. But I love it. I love it. I love it big time. Uh, so Joe has given us a fact, and his fact is, in the game Fallout 3, you take part in a quest where you explore an area occupied entirely by clones of a man named Gary. Oh, you've got my attention. <laughs> okay. By the time you encounter them, they are all deranged, oh. attacking anyone not named Gary <laughs> and communicate only by saying Gary with mm-hmm. different inflections. Mm-hmm. That is a great fact. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Gary, 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 Gary. Gary G from the UK. 
Gary. He'd be fine if he's in there. Gary. <laughs> Gary. I wow. wish Gary. Oh. I, I wish all Garys were like Gary J. Yeah. I mean, if only. Mm. Thank you, Joe, for that great fact. I had no idea about that. Absolutely cool. Mm. And thank you for all your work keeping those mogwais dry and hungry. <laughs> you can't put them in the microwave, or do you put them in the microwave to get rid of them? Gremlins? Yeah. Wasn't there, huh. Was a gremlin in a microwave? I've never seen gremlins. No, I think my brother was watching it, and that's all I remember is I think there was one in a microwave. You can let me know. All right. Cool. Yeah. I give you permission to at me about that and that alone. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Joe. The next one comes from Siraj Pierce. He's finally, it uh, must, be, must have been real tedious because I've said Siraj's name a lot on our various podcasts as he's one of our big supporters. Have we been saying it wrong? And he's, he's finally given us a, by the way, it's, it's like penis but with an R. So Pierce. Siraj Pierce. Thank you, Siraj, who's given himself the title of Inspector of Vegemite Shape Imports, East Asia Division. Oh, love that. Important role. <laughs> and Siraj has given us a fact. And his fact is your toe print is unique, like your fingerprint. Not as useful in this post-COVID world. Oh, that may, I guess that makes sense to me. I'd never really thought about it. But toe prints are also unique, much like a oh, fingerprint. And there's, oh, a, Dave. there's a couple of hundred patrons out there. The yes. first year we sent out Christmas cards, I stamped them all with my toe. Oh, dear, they've got it. They've it got it on record. It took so long. It was, yeah. You did full days of work. And I, I converted them all into reindeers, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. That was honestly dumb. That was, the, that was one of the biggest. <laughs> that was dumb how much time we put into that. That was one of the biggest undertakings of our entire lives. That took several days. Yeah, I reckon it was more than several days. Yeah, that was fucked. You wrote out like, <laughs> what, two, three hundred Christmas cards by hand, wrote a, pro- a message, did the addresses. I p- put my toe print on it oh. and then let them dry and then Matt turned them into reindeers. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny because, I mean, normally Christmas is about spending time with family. Not that year. <laughs> that year it was about us writing postcards and um turning toe prints into reindeer. And it started cute because we all sat around the table and we had some music playing and we're like, yay, and then we realised the size of the task we had taken on. We naively thought it would, we could knock it off in a few sessions together. Fucking but idiots. We ended up having to work separately. Yeah. I took just... them, I, I went away for a family Christmas that year and I was literally missing out on <laughs> dinner. Not, I'd, I'd come in for dinner and then I'd have to leave to keep writing, I was, it was such a stressful Christmas. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're wondering why they don't have toe prints on them anymore, it's because we have families. <laughs> please let us we, see them, please. Please let us have Christmas with our families. I don't think anyone's demanded the toe prints. <laughs> no, I guess no either does. everyone's like, huh, that's a... That's a weird thing they all did. No one even cared. No one wanted them in the first place. <laughs> no one cared, but we did it anyway because we're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could not tell you even why we did it. I can't tell you, but we I did don't it. Know you, I think it was a throwaway line you said on an episode yeah. for some reason. Sorry, but. everyone. That was me then. I ruined it. Ruined our Christmas. <laughs> there would have there'd definitely be a few people out there who would be like, I can't touch this. Toes gross me out. <laughs> Why did you ruin this perfectly nice postcard? Why did we do that? Uh, well, we've got one last fact quota question, and it is a question. So we collected all three once again this week. Sweet. We did that last week as well. We had a fact, two facts, one quote, and here is a question. It comes from Odie Matthews, who is the CEO of Finally Knowing 
what a CEO might do. It's so good oh, to have you. Glad to on this. Oh my god, we need you. And Odie's question is: I haven't been able to think of anything. Okay, it's promising. It's a promising Great. start. So here's a random question that came to me today. Well, you've contradicted yourself earlier yeah, there, Odie. You did think of something. I haven't been able to think of anything. So here's something I thought of. Odie's question: What is your favorite fun fact you can remember from a report? Oh, you guys and gals are the best. I pluralized gal there, didn't mean to. Uh, thanks for making the weeks of 2020 a little better. Thanks, oh, thank Odie. you, Odie. That's very nice. Favorite Ooh, fun fact. That's really hard because I just don't retain anything. Mm, yeah, I have to think of a topic and then go from there. Yeah. I mean, all I'm thinking about right now is Aretha Franklin once wore a hat. Yeah, obviously uh, that's <laughs> the most fun fact. But apart from that, what else can you remember? Dave, can you remember anything? You have a better memory, I feel, but uh, no pressure. <clears throat> no pressure. Just, uh, just the whole reason the show basically started, which was me stumbling upon the fact that uh, – the Mona Lisa is only famous because some bloke stole it. Before that, mm. no one really gave a shit about it. That's a fun fact. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like that um, someone sold the Eiffel Tower twice. Yeah, that's fun. That's, that's fun. That is a fun fact. What about um, Phil Hartman designed the logo for Crosby Stills? Yeah. That is yeah. cool. That is cool. That was a good one. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many weird things that come up that are completely unrelated to the topic, but they're just, well, they're obviously they're a bit related, otherwise they don't come up. But, you know, like there's just so many things that you're just like, huh. <laughs> oh, like... What about it's not as well known as you might think that Marie Curie invented penicillin? Yeah. There you go. I assume that was like knowledge that everyone had. But it's not. And every time we mention on the show, we'll get people saying she didn't. And, I, and it just confirms... How much people don't know. Yeah, I'm just like, Curie invented excuse me, have penicillin. you listened to that report? Mm. We clearly established she invented penicillin. Yeah, it was very penicillin heavy. Yes. Yeah, but I reckon any, you give me any topic, I'll I'll have a fun fact from it, I reckon. You reckon? Or nearly every. There's the one that I don't remember at all. Uh, the Mothman. Uh, he, when he uh, turned into dust on the road, <laughs> they reckon... Yeah. He left. He left behind a little pile of dust, mm. <laughs> and they're like, "What does it mean?" But it was probably just some dust on the road. <laughs> yeah. They're like, "Oh, he's left this he left pile of dust. dust." Proof. All right, Matt. One more. Um, Julia Child. <laughs> oh well, something about an incredible snap. <laughs> it's a crunch. God damn crunch. it! <laughs> crunch. Damn. damn it! Uh, and she was in a film with another Julie. Or Julia. What about Julia Child didn't start cooking until her 30s and then became one of the most oh, famous chefs that. in the world? I'm just entered my 30s and I don't know how to cook and I'm planning to become one of the most famous chefs in the yes. world. Yes, yes, Dave. I'm a big fan of those sort of things. I'm I'm vaguely embarrassed by that episode. Every now and then I'm like, hopefully, obviously no one thinks, listens to that and go goes, drinking too much is cool. It's really, it's a pretty good ad for drinking in moderation, which I've done ever since that day. Got a bit out of hand that day. Apologies to anyone who uh, used to think that I was a cool, calm, collected guy. I was hoping it would and more. And listened into that one and went, oh, hang oh, on. Oh, no. I was Matt's hoping it would it. more be a lesson for you to always listen to Jess. Oh, what did you say? I said, you you have plans to drink that day. Why don't we record a different time? And you said, no, it'll be right. No, no. <laughs> oh, no, that's not what happened. We had to record that day because uh, you had to cancel the one just before that and it was the last possible time we had to record before it went out. Oh, dear. It was the only option. 
Right. I was I was like, this isn't a good idea because I will be coming <laughs> from a day of drinking, but it was the only time left we had. That's how I remember it. But would you trust my memory on this topic? <laughs> no. Possibly not, but that's, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a fun day. I definitely had a, a couple too many towards the end of the day. That's okay. It was fun to learn about that great <laughs> woman <laughs> of the chefery industry. Yes. That. Okay, well, it's also now time to thank a few of our other patrons. Uh, you normally come up with a little game here, Bopper. You had any thoughts on this? Well, I mean, it it feels hard because something that we always end up doing is uh, like naming their album. Oh, yeah. You know, but I feel like we've done that before. But what, we could give them a Queen of Soul type Oh, title. yeah, great, a title, a royal title. Yes. Doesn't have to be music, I guess. Could be anything. Could be anything. All right. Well, if I may, I'd love to kick this off. Yeah. Uh, and this one's from someone who who gives no address, but I think he's Australian, and he goes by the name of Brian Andrews. I love the name Brian. Big fan of of the name Brian. Brian Andrews. Brandrews. Brandrews. And Brian is the Lord of Pool. Oh, oh we're re- talking really swimming or table? Table. Love that. A yeah, lot of pool. It's a real table, pool shark. Oh, he's a, he's a shark in the pool and on the pool. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So he's sort of, but if he's a shark, that means that he's good at um, looking like he's not good until money's on the table. Yes. And then all of a sudden he's very good. Yeah, he like he hangs around the pool table and then someone says, do you want to play? And he plays pretty shit. At first, and then they say, "Let's make this interesting." And they put some money down, and he just, he just absolutely wipes the floor with them. And then he, as he's chalking his cue before potting the black, he says, "Interesting enough for you." <laughs> and then he looks at them. He doesn't break eye contact with them, and he slots the black without even looking at it. Yeah, wow. he's the bad boy. <laughs> and then they go. Badass. And then they go. Then they go. That's after a full game. Then they go double or nothing. So they do that, and then again, not breaking eye contact, he <laughs> pockets every ball in the first shot. <laughs> this break, he just knocks them all in. Oh. He says, uh, "Had enough? Yeah, <laughs> hot enough for you." <laughs> <laughs> Brian's a badass. <laughs> love that about you, Brian. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Uh, I'd also love to thank from Ottawa in Ontario, Canada. Micah Birder. <laughs> Damn it. B-R-D-A-R. Birder. Oh, yeah. Birder. I'm so sorry, Micah. Sorry, Micah. Micah B. Micah B. Micah Birder. Dave, any ideas? The king of birdhouses. Oh. oh. He makes, he's got a back order on his birdhouses. Oh, they're incredible. I'm talking a six-month wait list minimum. Holy shit. Yeah. He is in hot demand. He once built one for an emu and it was basically a small house. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was like bigger than my apartment. <laughs> the emu lives better than you do. off the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Had a Europe. special room for his for their big blue eggs. Yeah, an egg room. <laughs> European laundry. Uh, and his favourite song... <laughs> Micah's favourite song is, of course, uh, Birdhouse in Your Soul. Yes. Well, they might be giants. And he's so he's the king of birdhouses and uh, very good friends with the king of soul, Otis Redding. Mm. 
and together they are the kings of birdhouse in your soul. <laughs> <laughs> Great work, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Uh, and f- what happened? Do we do three each of this? Is that right? Am I yeah, that right? is that right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Goddamn right, yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, finally for me, uh, why I'm the worst pronunciator and I've got two crackers. All right. Um, I'd also love to thank from London in Great Britain, Stephen Sokia Soglo. Sokia Soglu. Sokia Soglau. Fuck, I thought I was going to go. The first one sounded pretty good. Yeah. Stephen Sokia Glow. Stephen Sokia Soglo. Sorry, Stephen. But thank you. I honestly think Stephen's probably quite used to it at this point. But I'm sorry, Stephen, and thank you. Um, Stephen, of course. Is the. Okay. I'll kick it off with the title and then you just hit me. Bop, okay? Yep. Hit me with I'm what you got. clearing my All mind, right. clearing my mind. Okay. So he is the Duke of... National Parks. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's quite a portfolio. That is a beautiful portfolio. I'm talking well all National Parks globally. Oh, shit. Shit. That's, that's a huge realm uh, for yeah. his dukedom. So he is busy like 10 months of the year. Various engagements at national parks all over the world, and he's like world famous, pays very well, um, and people are just like, "Holy fucking shit, the Duke is coming Duke. to our national park!" I'm so sorry, I panicked. There's a park across the road, and I was looking at the park out the window. You've got a national park across just the road. Just a park. Wow. wow. Do you live near Yosemite? Yes. What a great spot. Say hi to Sam for me. <laughs> Shall I pick up the mantle here? Yes, please, please go do. for it. I would like to thank from MS. What are we talking, Minnesota here? Is that what we're talking? I mean, United States of Ooh, America. MS is tricky. You got, it could be Minnesota, it could be Missouri. It's it could Mississippi. Be Mississippi. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. And from. Oh, I do it in the rhythm of. M-I-double-S-I-double-S-I-double-P-I. It's all about you, isn't it? And you're pathetic. Dave, what rhythm do you do you're it in? You're fucking Dixie? pathetic. <laughs> a Rick, Dixie rhythm? A Dixie melody? In a Dixoning melody? Dave, can you do it in a Dixie melody? M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I hate it. I never knew what Dixie was until now. Well, that makes sense. Well, I thought I did, but it turns out I did not. Well, that was from a video game that I played as a child, an educational one, so it wasn't fun. Um, I think mine was from Alvin and the Chipmunks when they had a they competed in a spelling bee, and that's uh, how they remember right. that tune. And I actually sorry, Dave. I learnt mine from Saucier in Mississippi. <laughs> Saucier. Wow. Joseph Barshop taught me. <laughs> you had not said their name and we were just going on about Mississippi. So sorry, Joseph. Joseph thank you so much. Who is? Joseph Bar Shop. Jeez, I can't wait to be allowed back in a bar shop. Yeah. Joseph is the prince of <gasps> frogs. Frogs? Frog prince. Yeah, the frog prince. Wow. What happens Ooh. if you ki- like they sort of kiss him and he turns into a human kind of scenario? Yeah, that's or? right. So you kiss him and he, he stays a human when you kiss him. It's really weird. Holy shit! Super. So he like never he never takes frog form. He 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 claims that he was once a frog. Ah! Uh, and if you kiss him, he claims you're. <laughs> I mean, you're coming up with this, and you've built into this that he's possibly lying. Well, I mean, he tells people he was one. I can't fact check it because I never saw him as a frog. I take him at his word. 
But if you do kiss him, he will stay a human. That's one of his weird traits. Wow. And can he control frogs or anything like that? Oh, yeah, and he's also a uh, frog collector. A frog oh, collector. wow, he can control them and he, he sounds like a psychopath, yeah. to be honest. I'm a little bit nervous about Has he this. just got frogs in jars or something? No, he collects, I mean, he treats them with absolute respect because he once was a frog. Oh. He, he, he oh, yes, He's PC worried too. that okay. the, other, the other frogs that he keeps are also humans. <laughs> So just in case, oh. he, oh, he and so he smooches them. them. Oh. He smooches them every day because he's not sure what yeah, just day in case. The, it'll be broken. The charm will yeah, be broken right. or whatever. The enchantment. And but also, like, it's always true love's first kiss, so he's got to give the frogs time to fall in love with him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> to really get to know him and go, oh my god, he's actually great. And then the next time he kisses them, it works. Yeah. So each day he's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to make extra special effort for dinner tonight. Yeah. It's... You can't always force love. That's what I'm saying. No. You know? You can't hurry, love. You can't hurry, love. You just have to wait. Mm. Love don't come easy. It's a game of... Give and take. Scrabble. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm your Joseph Barshop. I, I love frogs, so I think you're doing frogs work there. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I would also like to thank uh, from Downer in the Australian <laughs> Capital Territory, ACT, it is James O'Rourke. Jimmy O. The big O. The big O. Oh, my goodness. All right. Um, what if I do a set, set you up here, Matt? I'll say something and you bring it home. Okay. All right. Let me blank my okay. mind. Okay. I'll close my eyes. Let's see where I go. Here he is. <clears throat> <clears throat> Let me go. James O'Rourke, Lord of... Flannel. Oh, love it. It's a very practical material. Yeah. Wow. Did his family invent flannel? Yeah, I wonder. Maybe that's his empire. very well. Yeah, he's got a flannel empire. <laughs> the flannel empire. <laughs> I've just taken the flannel sheets off the bed and I miss them. Oh, yeah, because it's heating up here. Yeah, it's quite warm today and bloody, you know, got the cotton sheets on there and I'm like, you're not as snuggly. So but thank how nice you, are they? James. Like some crisp sheets on a hot night. <laughs> crisp. I wouldn't know. I've very rarely got crisp sheets, but it sounds good. It does sound good. <clears throat> sounds good. It sounds like something a rich person would have. If your sheets can make a beautiful snap, mm. that is the best. <laughs> You've probably what, overstarched. What kind honest. of thread count are we talking? Oh, six. Yeah, that's good. Wow. I don't know how many is good, but six, seven, eight, eight ten. Is ten, that getting ridiculous? Ten thread count. Oh, my God. I you don't are, know. You are bougie. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a bubba. <laughs> Thank you, James. Congratulations yeah. on your flannel empire. Appreciate that, Jimmy O'Rourke. And for me, I would finally like to thank from Richmond here in Victoria it is Caitlin Hall. Caitlin Hall Caitlin from Hall. Tigerland. I would say she is the dame of dominoes. Oh, pizza or game? A uh, little of both. Interesting. Wow. Started with a game. The pizza came in. She said, actually, I'm the dame of dominoes around here. And they said, all right, we bow down to you. Here's a percentage of every franchise. Wow. I had Domino's pizza last night. Oh. And it used to I it used to be like a, a fun guilty treat. Yeah. And it's I think I've had it too much that it's not that anymore. It's not as good anymore. Is it oh, is it not as good anymore? Well, I don't know. I've oh. just had the same experience that it used to be like it was my go to shit pizza. Yeah. And so yeah, like shit as in it's like a little bit fake tasting or something. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. But the but last couple of times nice. it's been undercooked. Oh, I'm like, right. I ordered thin and crispy. They've lost their way. I'm well, fucking I mean, really, you got to take that up with Caitlin Hall. Well, Caitlin Hall, 
I I mean, feel free to send me a pizza and I'll I'm happy to change my opinion. <laughs> if you are as you say you are, the god of Domino's pizza. Well, the dame. God. The dame. Yeah, the god. So We would have really come home strong if we finished with a god. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's still time because I'm gonna thank some people. Awesome. Um I would love to thank from Cunha in Tasmania. Angriest boy, <laughs> which honestly, um, uh, kind of confusing from your parents. That's a um, yeah. If they, I mean, your surname's boy. Don't name him angriest. No, I name you Sunny. Sunny, best boy. What do you know, Greg? Greg, Greg boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a name. Gary boy. Oh, oh Barry oh, boy. Gary boy. <laughs> I sing. Daddy boy to Gary boy. That's good stuff. Yeah. Oh, Gary boy. All right, angriest boy. Jeez, they've they've set a high standard for him as well. Not just an angry boy. All right. um, Angriest boy is the... uh, What's what's one of the other ones? Where have you... You got Duke, you got... Uh, I like... Oh, what about Baron? Baron. Good job, yeah. yeah. Come on, Dave. Baron of... Can I do one? Can I do one? Oh. Yes. Baron of confetti. Oh, because confetti is not angry at all. Oh, so every that's... time he enters a room. But it is you. It is confetti cannons go. Off. It's angry if used as a weapon, though. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He's weaponized you know confetti. What? Confetti cannon to the face. Please aim away from face. An angriest boy says no. No, I aim confetti where I want to aim it. So angriest yeah. boy, isn't it funny to have? An angriest boy from Tasmania. Such a beautiful island state. Beautiful place. What are you so angry about? Hey, are you okay? Do you need well, to talk? Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's one of those ironic names. You maybe he's like a real blue. sweetheart. Maybe it's a she, you know? Oh. Just really I mean, fucking with so you. Many, so many questions. So many questions. But we, you know, one thing we don't question is our love for you and uh, our appreciation of your support, Angriest Boy. Thank, thank you very you. much. Enjoy that confetti. Um, I'd also like to thank from Norwich. In uh, Great Britain. Aha! Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. I feel like <laughs> I say this every time. <laughs> I wonder if they know. <laughs> I'd love to thank Georgina Reynolds. Georgina Reynolds. Georgina Reynolds. That's a, that's a real rock solid name. I yeah, like that's that a good. lot. Georgina I love Reynolds. That. Uh, Georgina Reynolds is, of course, the god of <gasps> light. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. That's an important one. Like the sun? Yeah, all of them. Anything that gives light. What do you mean? Yeah. Anything that gives light. Yep. So, like me, when I walk into a room. Yes, she does that. That's Georgina's work. I thought that was just my presence. <laughs> no. <gasps> wow. She doffed it upon you. Wow, Georgina. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's a big task. Wow. Mm. Cool. But she makes it happen. Amazing. All right. Well, I've got nothing to add to that. That's... <laughs> Thank you so much for your support, Georgina Reynolds from Norwich. Aha. Aha. <laughs> and I'd finally love to thank from, is this Japan? Yes. Japan. Fantastic. In Niigata, Japan. Melody Cook. Oh, Dixie Melody. <laughs> <laughs> Dixie Melody and Julia Child's Cook. Just a bit of everything there. She's got it all. Okay, I'll set one of you up. Um, okay, okay. What about okay. we do a double? 
What does that mean? <laughs> Double banger. Double, no, so Jess says uh, she's the blah, blah of, and I'll say something, and Matt okay. says the other thing. Great. Okay, thank you. Something that goes through, sorry. <laughs> I was like, what do I do? All right. Okay, okay. I've got to think. I'm trying to think of something different. Um, um, oh, okay. She's the first lady of. Oh, um, aquariums and. <gasps> and good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I've just looked up Nagata uh, and on, in Google it says, what is Nagata famous for? It's located along the coast of the Sea of Japan in the Chubu region. It's famous for its high-quality rice, beautiful coastal and mountainous sceneries, spectacular firework displays in summer, skiing in winter, and hot spring bathing around the year. Holy shit. That place shit. sounds amazing. It's got everything. That sounds like good vibes. Yeah, big yeah, time. you nailed that with good vibes. And probably aquariums oh, yeah. too, let's be honest. They've, they've got to <laughs> have some use for aquariums. For sure. But fireworks displays, I love fireworks. Love them. So fun. Go, ooh. Exploding stuff. I love explosions. Colors. I love colours. Bangs. It's really taking confetti cannons to the logical conclusion, isn't it? Yes. Now, if somehow we could get confetti and fireworks together, oh, my God. Oh, boy. We'll be oh rich. Boy. Then we'll have some good vibes. Sounds like a fire hazard and I love it. Yeah. Melody Cook, I mean... You've got a lot on your plate looking after both good vibes and aquariums, but also it sounds like you live somewhere very nice. So good for you. Nice one. And thanks to everyone that supports us at patreon.com slash pod. You are the lights of our lives. Yes. Uh, and you can, yeah, get all sorts of things there, including three bonus episodes per month. The whole back catalogue are up there. We must be pushing towards... 80 or 90 bonus episodes up there, I reckon. Um, and, yeah, another thing you get is if you are on the shout-out level for three years in a row, you get to join the Triptych Club. I'm standing at the door. i got the door list there. I'll lift the velvet rope, welcome you in. Jess will hand you a drink, maybe a bit of a, what do you call the food things? Canapes. Little canapé. Uh, I'll jump behind the bar, shake up a few cocktails, Dave booked a band. Who have we got this week, Dave? Oh, we've got uh, the Muscle Brothers, whatever they were called before. Um, <laughs> Muscle Brothers. Muscle Shoals. Uh, what are they playing? Uh, they're playing the hits of Aretha Franklin. And Ray Charles, you know, for a bit of a ride. Oh, so great. they're doing a full set of Aretha, full set of Ray Charles. They come have a break, come back, full set of Aretha, full set of Ray Charles. So there's sort of a two-sitting, you know what I'm saying? Whoa. I think this is probably like this maybe is the one that's made the most sense so far from the bands you've booked. Well done. And <laughs> it's hard to guess. What are we? It's hard to learn. I book these guys in advance. I don't know what the topic's right. going to be, except when I'm doing <laughs> it, of course. So yeah. this was just very, very uh, lucky. Oh god, well that done. is good. Yeah, drink this week is uh, aperol spritz. Oh, nice. Um, oh, so we are moving day into for a spritz. yeah, we're moving into warmer weather here. Time for let's spritz it up. Hey Jess, can I request some something custody in the food this week? Yeah, okay. Love a, maybe a little dessert. Can you do dessert canapes? Yeah, sure. You can oh, do whatever you want. What about little, uh, I'm not going to make you do this, but of course my request would be little trifles. Oh, yeah, I'm in. Okay. Is that possible? Jess does not look happy with All that. Right. What, what, have, what have you got there, Jess? Oh, just custard. <laughs> Blobs of custard. I'm going to a blob. Eat All them right. with your hand. Help yourself to a blob. Well, everyone knows <laughs> the best part of a trifle is the custard, so this is fantastic. <laughs> Help yourself to a little blob. On your way. Yeah, get rid of all that bullshit. <laughs> from the... 
the who needs the blob, the best soggy bit. cake and jelly? Fuck off. Have some custard. Thank you. I've got right back into two fruits lately. I'm having two two fruits on my my Vitabrits oh or my, my oats in the morning. God. So good. I haven't had two fruits in easily 20 years. Yeah, uh, I they're a flashback for me too, <gasps> and I've I've been on them all week. So good. Yum. I need to get me some two fruits. Do you put the juice oh. on as well or just the little bits? If a little juice gets out, I'm all yeah, for it. Nice. Yeah, I'm not going to complain. That was my favourite bit, <laughs> just drinking that at the end. It's just this syrupy lick. Oh, my God, it's so good. <laughs> you can, uh, we've got a few inductees into the Triptych Club this week. Just let me check the guest list here. Um, who have we got? Uh, firstly, from... Have you ever had someone try and sneak in that isn't on the guest list? Or are people usually pretty good when they rock up to the velvet robe? Yeah, I think, no, I think um, <laughs> people are normally pretty good. No one's struck. We actually had one time I think someone got in and they messaged saying, I'm not sure if I was meant to be. <laughs> oh. love, that, love that honesty, but get the That's fuck out. That's not, yeah, <laughs> but you've come forward, so get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, so we've got from, let me just check. This. I had this all set up and I've lost my, I've lost myself. What is the date? What's going on? Who am I? Oh, I see what I've done. Okay. You are Lisa Simpson. I've confused myself. From uh, Nuaigo in MI, Dave, which has got to be Minnesota. No, it's got to be Missouri. Or Michigan. Michigan. It's Michigan, I reckon. Dave, you look it up while I check. Oh, and Dave will hype you up on the way through. That's his other oh, role. Yeah. He's our hype oh, it's man. It's difficult when I'm in. bloody Googling at the same time. It is Michigan. It's Michigan. Michigan. All right. So from uh, New Argo in Michigan, Scott Lanning. Oh, Scott Lanning. Uh, it's great to see you again. And because I was a Michigan, you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> from Stevenage in England, Great Britain, it's Olivia Gatliff. Oh, Great Britain, Great Gatliff. <laughs> from South Yarra in Victoria, Australia, it's Amy Gibbs, the doctor. Oh, you gives me good vibes when you come into our party. <laughs> and finally, from Woodley in Greater Manchester, Great Britain, it's Nicole Carr. Would you like to come into our club and make our lives even better? <laughs> what do we think? What do we think? Pretty good? I'm not, I don't know if I fully get that last one. She's from Woodley. Okay. Yep. <laughs> What's to get? <laughs> Maybe I didn't hear what you said, but I thought you'd make our lives even better. I said, "Would you like to come into our party and make our lives even better?" On at, oh, on the way so in. The, on the way in. When you said "Would you," that was a reference to Woodley. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Now it's obvious now that you've said it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I mean, her surname was Carr. You couldn't have done anything with Carr. <laughs> he couldn't do anything with Scott Lanning. I did. I coming yeah. in for landing. I mean, uh, I mean, Dave, 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 Dave. Thank you. We know you said last week this is cause this is stressful for you now, and we said, hey, just have some fun with it. You can't yeah. go wrong. And then this week we shat all over you, and that yeah. is unfair we of you us. Can go wrong. <laughs> no, oh, <sorry>. Matthew, <laughs> that's unfair of us. It genuinely you, is stressful now. I know. I, and I did you it. did your best. I did it the first week, just like. Uninvited, unsolicited, <laughs> just for fun, and now it's become a thing that I, uh, I, I uh, dread. I can't sleep at night now. Yeah, yeah, but we're not going to stop it. So you need to find a way to sleep, and we need to find a way to just laugh at your terrible jokes. Yes. Would you like to come in and make out to our great party? I mean, 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Gives me the post would have been good if we stopped. It gives me good vibes, but anyway. <laughs> that was a good. That was a really good one. Thank you. The one from Ford, not you know, that's not that bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's bring this bad we, boy home. Yeah, I think we've almost gone for an hour after the report this week, which is amazing work. A from new us. record. Yeah, we're good. We're bloody good. So uh, if anyone wants to get involved, please jump on the social media. Do go on pod on all of the social medias. Get on Jess Perkins' Instagram in particular. <laughs> She's pushing for 10 How far off are we? How far off? Um, let's do a, a live check. I mean, I'm assuming by the time people listen it'll be heaps more, but we're currently at 9,125. That's great, 91%. Making great progress. When I started this campaign, I had 8,748. So it's been, it turns out all you need to do is just be quite desperate and ask people outright to follow you. Uh, All those people who do follow Jess and not me, come on, throw another dog a bone. You're allowed to follow more than one. Of course you can. Matt Stewart Comedy on Instagram, Matt Stewart underscore Art on Twitter and Matt Stewart Comedy on Facebook. I also provide some content on there. Maybe it's not up to Jess's level, but it's something. It's something. That's what it is, something. And Dave, where are you? You you got the pie Instagram. Yeah, going. check out my me eating pies on there. I've just hit. I reckon there's there's like a bit of a flow on effect from you, Jess. I've just hit five thousand. So thank you so much. You're welcome. You're Nailing welcome, Toots. And uh, if you want to check out our other podcast, Dave does a great book podcast. It's about the classic novels. It's called Book Cheat. Uh, that's right. This week's one comes out every fortnight. Uh, this week's episode that just came out yesterday is the Time Machine, H.G. Wells sci-fi classic. Did you know that oh. he coined the term time machine for that book? Wow. I did not That's know that. That's a fun fact really? for you. That is a fun fact. Uh, yeah, and I was joined by uh, Joel Zammett and uh, Jackson Bailey from the Sands Pants crew and uh, a lot of Great. fun. Oh, two very good boys. And uh, the other ones were uh, Primates. We put out a few episodes. Uh, we're doing two a week at the moment to finish off season one of the Umbrella Academy. So there'll be ten recap episodes of that, me and Evan going through it. It's been a real fun time re-watching those. I can't remember how it finishes. Can't wait to watch the finale. And then we're probably (laughs) going to do season two now. And for Listen Now, we've been going through classic 80s albums as voted by the listeners. And uh, the most recent one was about Dire Straits. But they've really jumped around all sorts of different genres. It's been very interesting. And the one coming up is one of Dave's all-time favourites. He's going to record a little review that we're going to put in there too. So um, check that out. That'll be coming out at the uh, uh, this weekend. Awesome. But that's probably all we need to tell you. Um, I guess be good to each other. Hope you're having a nice time in these tough times. And, yeah, get in contact about anything you like if you want to. Yeah, all the links to everything, uh, you know, social media-wise, email-wise, and our other podcasts, all this stuff is at com. But until next week, we'll say thank you so much for joining us and listening. And until next week, I'll say goodbye. Bye. Podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean.
if you want. It's, it's up to you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.